Hello, and welcome to the Beautiful Business Podcast. Beautiful Business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way of doing business. We believe beautiful businesses are led with purpose by people who care, guided by a clear strategy, and soulfully grown. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Beautiful Business Podcast. My name is Ewan Sang, part of the Beautiful Business team, and this week I was joined by Helen Neal. Helen is the founder and CEO of HN Communications, an award-winning sustainability communications agency and Leaders Live, a thought leadership and specialist event consultancy. HN Communications has recently achieved B Corporation certification and won Best B2B Agency at the UK Agency Awards. HN Communications' core objective is to creatively address the world's urgent climate challenges by bringing together different perspectives for purposeful connections and conversations. So Helen, tell us a bit more about HN Communications. Give us a rundown on your background, please. Yeah, sure. So HN Communications is a sustainability-focused strategic communications agency. We've been going for about six years in total, although we've really seen quite rapid growth, I would say, over the past two to three years. We work primarily with global corporates and also with NGOs, and we help on everything from sort of strategically setting out how they will communicate on sustainability, on campaigns, to creating all of the creative elements that would go along with that from written to video production and also to events as well. So that's our business. We're small, but we're global, as we like to call ourselves. And we're actually globally distributed as well across three time zones, across the UK, the Netherlands and the Philippines. And yeah, I think we're quite a purpose-driven organisation. We've just been awarded B Corp, which was really important to us because we felt, you know, we're helping many businesses to try to go through this process themselves. We needed to walk alongside them and walk the walk. So now I'm pleased to say we're doing that. And it goes to show that you don't have to be a massive organization to be a B Corp. It can be done just from a a small agency. And also just a bit of a, a shameless plug in that we've just won the B2B Agency of the Year for the UK Agency Awards just last week. So I'm super saw, happy about that too. I saw that. Congratulations on that. That's fabulous. So you, you mentioned that you've seen some really rapid growth over the last couple of years. What do you think that was down to, to out of interest? I think a lot of it is down to businesses waking up to the fact that sustainability is no longer an add-on within their business function or a paragraph in their end-of-year report to investors, but it's now something that transcends all of their business strategy. So sustainability kind of flows across, whether it's finance or marketing or HR, it goes across the business. And I think more businesses are waking up to that. And as a result, I think they're realizing that also we need some help in terms of how we effectively communicate this, how we do this transparently, how do we take our employees with us and how do we engage with others in order to make progress in this space? Because I think one area, and we may touch on this later, that I think is changing is that business is no longer just about being in direct competition with your kind of industry peers and your competitors. Um, it's also about having to collaborate with them and wider industry at the same time. And so I think all of these things are starting to create a level of momentum around needing to communicate on sustainability just as much as your overarching business purpose, because often it's kind of one and the same these days. Yeah, it's really interesting. I wonder what sparked 
that almost kind of like movement over the last couple of years that you've kind of seen it. But I, certainly throughout working on Beautiful Business and the people we've had the chance to speak with, it feels like there's this momentum where people are just that much more conscious about sustainability and also just the wider impact of their organizations from a company perspective has on the world, but also from a consumer perspective as well. The choices that consumers make in terms of the consumer side, but also on a B2B side, the types of organizations that you work with, your decisions on who you go with, who you give your money to, who you partner with, and more and more being influenced by their sustainability, by their positive kind of impact. And also really importantly, alongside that is the credibility of the work that they do or certainly the work that they say they do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think consumers are having a lot of power in driving that forward. I think as individuals, we can feel quite hopeless sometimes and quite powerless in that it's really hard to make change. So I think a lot of the younger generation, sort of teenage 20s, feel quite frustrated and powerless and rightly so in terms of not feeling as though these issues are being heard or listened to. But I actually think, and I've just got back from Climate Week in New York, and I've listened to a lot of businesses and NGOs and organizations talk about actually a huge amount of action that's taking place. I genuinely think that a lot of this is being driven by this frustration and this push by the younger generations to kind of put these businesses to account. You know, and if we think about it, a lot of these business executives now have teenage children and children in their 20s. And I heard several occasions during that week of business executives alluding to their teenage daughters and 20 year old sons about, you know, saying, what what are you doing? This isn't enough. And I think actually they have far more power and they are pushing this issue far more than perhaps is realize maybe we'll look back in 10, 20 years time and see that, you know, those generations were actually hugely inspirational for moving this issue forward as well. So yeah, it's really interesting. A lot of combination of factors, I think, are building this momentum and this movement, like you say, which is really exciting. It is really exciting. It's really positive as well. Yeah. It's so easy to kind of get pulled down into the pits of despair almost, yeah. you know, in terms of what's happening around the world, some of the decisions that are being made. But you're absolutely right. The younger generation that are coming through have got a lot to stand up for yeah. and a lot to fight for as well. Really interesting that we're seeing that though kind of permeate through into, you know, the decision making within these organizations, as you say, to engage with organizations like HN communications, such as the importance that they start seeing in effect communication of their sustainability the kind of credentials I suppose and initiatives. I think as well when we work with these businesses and the NGOs I think but particularly for the businesses I think the way that they have traditionally communicated both in terms of from a corporate communication side but also from a communication side to consumers and marketing has always been a particular way. It's been about, you know, I get it. It's about putting your best foot forward, showing your product and your business in the best possible light, really positive messages, and try to avoid anything sort of too negative. But I actually think that approach and that attitude has to change and should be different when it comes to sustainability communications. I think the moment you start to put a positive glaze or like not being 100% accurate, but making it look a particular way, we all know that that's the realms of greenwashing. It's wrong. No business should be doing it. End of story. So I think it's also what we have tried to do and what we are doing with our clients who are doing great strides in sustainability is helping them on a journey to get comfortable 
with talking about sustainability in a particular way. The reality is sustainability is hard, it's complex, it's challenging, it's costly. These all things are really challenging for a business, but it doesn't mean to say that you shouldn't do it, you shouldn't try, and you shouldn't have a plan in order to move forward. But I think what we've always try and do with our clients is get them to a point of comfort where they can talk about the difficulty, they can talk about the challenges, and they can collaborate more with like-minded peers to talk about that openly, as well as talk about the milestones and successes that they're having and being transparent on those too and sharing where things are tough and difficult or they haven't had all the answers or haven't quite got it right. And I think the moment that those businesses, which is not a traditional place for big corporates to be, but once they start to embrace that philosophy of talking in that way, particularly with sustainability, but in my opinion, I think it should be on everything, they start to actually have a human voice and to be honest, because none of us are you know, blind to the fact that this is a hugely, probably the biggest challenge of our lifetimes and our generations to come. So I think starting with that full honesty and transparency and being willing to share that difficulty and actually in that difficulty is where we get the learning. Because when we share those things that are difficult for other businesses, the chances are they're going to say, yeah, do you know what? We're having exactly the same challenge in this country with renewable energy. And we'd really like to have a renewable energy opportunity there too. Let's talk. And actually being able to share that helps drive us all forward. So I think that's very much at the heart of our philosophy and how we like to work with our corporates. But it takes time. It takes a buildup of trust and showing that this process works. And then after that, we start to really see some great results. And a lot of our clients have won some really great accolades and awards for their achievements through their work in terms of sustainability. So it's working. Yes, it's really positive. And I guess there's a degree of vulnerability from the client side and acceptance of showing their kind of vulnerability. What's the word I'm looking for? Fallibility, that they're not perfect, that there are things that could be working on. But I guess it's getting that balance right as well and it's an interesting path that they have to chart in the sense that you know certainly i'm sure with some of the larger organizations that you work with they've got lots and lots of different kind of pressures that are put upon the board from shareholders from investors and things like this and it must be a really challenging as i say a challenging path that you must now have to navigate with them in order to communicate that vulnerability part as you say that things aren't perfect that you can't put a rose tinted glasses on for this but there are still you know positive movements to be made Absolutely. And I think that vulnerability point you make is a really important one. I just want to take a quick minute to say thanks to our trusted partners, Crystal Hosting. Crystal is a B Corp powered by 100% renewable energy and has a goal of planting 1 billion trees by 2030. Crystal Service is super fast and super reliable and they're genuinely really nice people. We're super picky over who we work with as partners at Beautiful Business and we're delighted to count Crystal as one of them. Back to the podcast. I think it's always far easier to be vulnerable and to share that vulnerability when you have as an organization a very clear plan of action forward and you know as a business where you're going and that your CEO and your C-suite are fully behind that plan and you know the direction that you're traveling in. When you know that, it's always easier to then say, yeah, we're not getting this right at the moment. And we know we've got a target of full neutrality in our energy by 2030. So we're working in this area, in this area. And actually, do you know what? We'd really like to partner and work with 
these organizations. So let's talk and be able to communicate in that way. But I think as long as you've got this really solid, clear business strategy that embeds sustainability throughout your organization and that that is regularly looked at each year to keep challenging yourself to say, okay, have we got enough? Have we done enough? Where else can we've achieved this? What's next? Where do we need to head? And keep yourselves accountable and have a clear strategy and have leaders that truly believe in this mission as well. That's hugely important. And you really can see the difference between the CEOs that fully get this and are hugely championing it and going for it and those that are paying lip service to it and you know perhaps putting it in a small paragraph at the bottom of their end of year report and we all can see that so I think it will be interesting to see the the change in leaderships that come along with this in the next kind of 10 to 15 years and what leadership and being a CEO looks like and I think we're already seeing that change and I think that is going to come with more transparency, more vulnerability, more honesty. But it comes back to having a very clear plan about where you're going, because that way you have the power and almost the ability to then be able to share that vulnerability as a result, because you know where you're going, you know where you're trying to get. I guess the pitching communication has gone through the B Corp process as well, means that you know, you're, as you say, walking the walk as well as the talk as well. We're actually going through a B Corp certification at the moment as well. And it's a really fulfilling endeavor to do in itself. We're kind of coming at it from a perspective of, irrespective of getting certification, it's just a good process to go through from an organizational perspective. But I think it also reflects on the culture that you're trying to instill in the team, or certainly, you know, the ethos and the values within your organization. Am I right in saying that HN Communications is up to nine people now? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. We're nine people. Fabulous. And you mentioned that you are globally dispersed. So how is your organization set up in order to operate in three different time zones? How do you do it? I think we do it really well, but I think we've always been set up to be that way. I started the business six years ago. I wanted it to be remote working. It suited me. It suits me now, like my lifestyle. I have family. So I think we've always had that mindset of being remote We use a lot of systems and processes like Slack and Asana and regular team calls and check-ins. We use a lot of, and we've started to use even more actually, kind of tech Zapier stuff. I mean, I don't understand it. I'm going to be the first one to admit, but I have a brilliant person in the team that does about linking all of this. And we're starting to use AI as well. And obviously bringing in chat GPT and all of these things, not just in terms of any kind of client delivery, but actually in terms of like our team. So let me give you an example. One thing that we've recently set up that might be useful for other businesses who operate in a similar way, we use Slack and we now, all of our team meetings, we use Fireflies and it's a great AI note taker. That thing gets shoved into ChatGPT to do an even better summary, which then goes into our Slack channel of external or internal meetings. So whether you are working on that project or not, or whether you were able to attend that meeting or not, you can always just go back. It's all beautifully filed away as well in this various Zapier type system where the whole team can kind of access all of this information at any point as well, which is important because we're on different time zones too. But I think it comes back to very, very clear 
communication, having very, very clear project plans. We're excellent project managers, all of us, whether we work in project management or not, because we have to be. And just to give you an example, last year, we were able to deliver a big global event actually for the steel industry, for an NGO working in steel in Tennessee in the US between the teams in the Philippines, the UK and the Netherlands. And not one of us actually traveled to that event, but we were able to deliver the event. And I think it goes to show that there is, if you get your systems and processes right, if you are super productive, and I'm obsessed with productivity, that's my one, like, well, I've got many, but this is one of my like real things that I'm slightly nerdy about. But, you know, if you can put all of these systems and processes in place and have great communication, and our job is to communicate, so we should be good, right? Then I think there are mechanisms and ways that actually really work for us. And I personally think I would struggle working in a proper office these days. I think I'd be awful. I think people would want me out. (laughs) It's really interesting, isn't it? The whole kind of like hybrid. There's, I don't know what it is, but on my Instagram feed, I'm getting lots of content about, but mocking the whole kind of return to work. Yeah. Um, You know, two years ago, it's all about family, look after yourselves, it's fine, we're fully remote. And now it's like, you've got to be in the office three days a week. Yeah. I I hate that attitude though. I'll be honest. I hate that attitude. I think nothing shouts mistrust than that statement you know if like you must be back in the office x amount you know I get it I think the only area where I think I would applaud it is that I've seen some businesses say for once this day a week is when we as a team are always going to be in okay so we're all going to come together and we're going to make the most of that day doing all the team stuff yeah but everything else it's your choice I get that and I get the need for like human interaction and that's the biggest downside for us where we don't get to see each other very often yeah physically but I think apart from that we have to trust our people and if you've got good people you know the trust is there and you have to give it first it's so true Helen it's so true I think that that is it it does come down to trust doesn't it trust that they'll get on with the work trust that you know that they'll be productive yeah it's interesting you know that productivity is you know one of the key things that you kind of geek out over yeah but it just goes to show you don't need it's not presenteeism which is completely different and I agree with you I think it's interesting because I mean you know I'm into my 40s got a couple of kids and got the missus you know got my house I'm fine in my shed working on my own most days not everybody is the same there are some people that do I remember when I was younger work and social kind of blurred over quite a lot yeah 100% yeah so you kind of get that but it's the rigidity of you've got to be in the office three days a week and that's just as you say almost feels like it's for the wrong reasons I must ask you a question about growing your team to nine. You mentioned the people that make up the team, that you've got some shared values in there. I know how difficult getting B Corp would be if you didn't have these shared values as well. And also working with clients, you mentioned about speaking with them, moving them to a place where they feel comfortable with being vulnerable, where they feel comfortable about talking about their challenges. I think that speaks volumes about the ability of your team to work with these organizations and these people within these organizations. So what has been the biggest challenge for you growing a team like this and also internationally as well? What's been the biggest challenge? I think as probably most businesses would say, it's often finding individuals that share your values and we talk about values a lot don't we and I see big companies talk about values a lot but I see very few businesses actually enacting those values day in day out and in fact I don't really think we often talk 
too much about values as a team. And I, I guess we're lucky enough that, you know, as a team of nine, and sometimes it flexes to 10 or 11, just depending on what we're working on. But I think we don't even really talk so much about the values, but there's almost like an unsaid expectation of how we all want to show up for one another. I think it really helps us as a business that we've got a very clear offering and focus. And therefore, it brings people who are dedicated in this area to, you know, so regardless of the actual day-to-day work, what we're trying and striving to do in terms of helping businesses communicate more effectively on sustainability so that they move their sustainability forward, that's what drives all of us as a team. But I think there are definite attributes within us as a small team around perhaps not the traditional things you would think, you know, so kindness is a massive one for us, being kind to one another and being kind to our clients and an expectation that our clients are kind to us. So this kindness and mutual respect is a really deep core of us. And so I think very quickly, you see that in an individual. And if I really think it's about the skill sets, you know, can be learned, but the values of an individual cannot be really shaped. So you have to go out there and really look for those people that are going to share your philosophy, your values, and then everything from that can be built upwards. And I think that's how we've tried to do it. And then to add to that, I would say, I've always said, and I hope that I always do, that our business is, we're not about wanting to be the biggest in the world. That's not our goal. And I know a lot of businesses out there, you know, you start a business, it's grow, 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 get massive and then sell it. I think our attitude is much more about, my attitude is, we don't want to be the biggest, we just want to be the best. And therefore, that means that we can't work with everybody and we can't take on every piece of work that comes to us. And actually, it's right for us to almost kind of make sure that the clients that we're bringing in, and just going back to that B Corp point as well, there are definitely areas and sectors that we would not work with just because it doesn't align with who we are and what we're trying to do. But also being able to say we want to, what's the word? We basically want to just make sure that we can align businesses with our values, I think. And yeah, just not take on too many. And I'm okay with that. And I would much rather be the best and have a niche group of businesses and clients than be a huge organization. And I think that's what maintains our unique specialness, our magic, whatever it is. And I would hate to lose that. And I think inevitably you get to a certain size of business and it's really hard to maintain that magic. And we're kind of at that magical point right now. And I think we've probably got space to scale a little bit more. Yeah. But it's about then really niching down and being great at what you do, I think. It's so true. I've read somewhere that the growth for the sake of growth is the business plan of cancer. And Mm. you scale for a reason and you say, you know, there's a point when you lose the magic is probably that kind of word. You lose that. It's almost like the soul of your business kind of gets squashed down, doesn't it? And there's a weight of it kind of powers. And it's clear that sustainability is so key for you, for your team and the purpose. And if we were to do a word cloud sustainability for this podcast, it's probably going to be massive in the middle of it. So I'm interested to know what or how are you and the team working on your own sustainability? What do you do? What kind of tools do you use? We use a great tool actually called Ecology. I don't know if you've come across it, but that's a really, and particularly if you're going through B Corp as well, that's a great one to be able to measure, you know, as a small business, your scope one, your scope two and scope three. 
our biggest area is scope three because a lot of our team are associates over employees. I mean, so they work with us full time, but they're business associates and they choose to work with us. And I think that relationship is and that differentiation between that and an employee is really important for us. But it's about so ecology is a great one and it's a good one if you're a small business. And I would just recommend, you know, we've got no affiliation with them at all, but we've definitely used them as part of our B Corp. And we also use it as a month on month monitoring system in terms of our activity. We're really hot on trying to reduce our travel wherever possible. So like I said to you about this event last year, but also we try to do, I would say 90% of our meetings not in person. So we we reduce our travel. And then there's things like sort of waste recycling, but it's very, very minimal because a lot of our teams work from home and we have minimal things that we need in order to do our work. So ecology is a good one, but also there's wider things, isn't there, about with sustainability, I think also comes people and planet. And so there are other areas like the Better Business Act, which I would encourage people to have a look at. That's a great set of areas of ways of working, I think, to work on. Also the Living Wage Organization as well. So there's we kind of partner up and all use these systems out there that are there to kind of really help small businesses. And there's more and more stuff, I think, that I see coming online to kind of help. And the team like it as well, because we can check in each month on these things. We can look at offsetting, but offsetting is fine. And it it's one part of the piece, but I don't think business should do everything and just offset. We've got to be mindful about how we work. And also the work that we do with our clients and we, we have a, a green claims code that goes into our contracts with our clients around transparency and the communications and the data that we're given to ensure that the work that we're working on is open and transparent. So we add that into all of our contracts. And then also just helping those clients as well, really think about the wider sustainability. So if, if we're doing a an event, for example, we look to partner with a local charity or a food bank so that we ensure that there's no food wastage. It's just being really mindful about all of these wider areas that we perhaps in the past have just taken for granted. And I think, again, because the team is so passionate and focused in this area, we're always thinking of new aspects. But I would say, you know, our mantra is progress over perfection. We can get really hung up, can't we, in terms of like, oh, that's not sustainable enough or, oh, we can't really do that. I think, yes, it's great to challenge yourself, but we must always keep moving forward as well. And so the sustainability journey is not about perfection. It's about making incremental steps of progress and being comfortable with that. And it all goes back to you can be more comfortable with that when you've got a clear plan or a clear reason for being as an organisation, can't you? So I think it all just sort of fits into place, really. A big thank you to Helen Neal, the founder and CEO of HN Communications, for joining us on this week's podcast. Thank you for joining us for this week's Beautiful Business podcast. Beautiful Business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way to do business. Join us next time for more interesting discussions on how businesses can bring about change, helping communities, building a fairer society and safeguarding the planet. You can also join in the discussion at www.beautifulbusiness.uk.